this week on The Startup Life. Our incentives are totally aligned with the students. If you don't get paid, we don't get paid. And that's something that most schools would not ever do. And it's also really freaking hard to do. So selecting the right students that you know you can invest in, uh, making sure that you have the right career support, the right instructional material, the right curriculum design so that you know everyone is successful. That's a, it's a pretty tall order. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Austin Allred, co-founder of the Lambda School. Now powered by the Binge Podcast Network, the startup life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We have Mr. Austin Allred of Lambda School here. How's it going, Austin? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for having me. You ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Ooh, I don't know if I've got any to pour, but we'll see what, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Let's do this, man. First things first, what's your story and your path to entrepreneurship? And tell us a little bit about the Lambda School. Yeah. I mean, I, I was one of those kids that started out selling stuff on eBay when I was 13. So it's really always been trying to, you know, always trying to start stuff up, always trying to do some internet something or other. For sure. Yeah, so Lambda School, um, I was working at a lending company called LendUp, um, working with the growth team over there. Um, and, you know, before I moved to San Francisco, I was in a pretty rural town called Ephraim, Utah. Okay. And just, you know, recognized that the opportunities that all of, that I was surrounded by in San Francisco didn't really exist for those folks back home. Um, so between you know, not being able to move to an expensive city and not having the cash to go to a code school or something like that, um, you know, wanted to, to make uh, high-tech, high-quality education accessible. Um, so Lambda School is a programming school. It's completely online, and it's free until you get a job that pays more than $50,000 a year. If you don't reach that level, then you don't pay us anything. If you do, um, you pay us a percentage of your income for a couple of years, capped at a maximum of $30,000. And that's it. I hear that. So man, you know, Lambda School really does challenge the old you know, way of business when it comes to higher institutions and stuff like that. Talk about that a little bit, if you would, Austin. Yeah. So, so basically we want to de-risk it for the students. Okay. Um, which really means that we need to have all of the risk be on the school. So, you know, we're, our incentives are totally aligned with the students. If you don't get paid, we don't get paid. Um, and that's something that most schools would not ever do. And it's also really freaking hard to do. Um, so selecting the right students that you know you can invest in, uh, making sure that you have the right career support, the right instructional material, the right curriculum design so that you know, everyone is successful. That's a, it's a pretty tall order. Um, it, it seems simple on the surface, but there, there's a lot that goes into that. So 
Um, I don't blame schools for not wanting to do it. It's really hard. Yeah, that's, but that's the path we've chosen. So let me ask you this, man. How do you get the word out about Lambda School? Do you advertise, do social media campaigning? Like, how does that work to get the word out that Lambda School is here and here to serve the, uh, the, the nation and the world, I mind you? Yeah, so our main thing is that we teach free classes. Um, those free classes serve as our you know, introduction to the topic that you would want to study. Um, and most people come through that. So we do put some money behind advertising those free classes. Um, but, but really, we, we try to, you know, make our acquisition through content, through helping people learn. And then they, they kind of get a taste of it and realize that, that we're for real. Let me ask you this, man. You know, before you started Lambda School, what did you wish you would have known before? Oh, man. I wish I would have known how important instructional design is. I think Ooh, a lot of code okay. schools kind of don't take that seriously enough. Um, it's just incredibly, it's a, it's an incredibly difficult skill set to acquire and it's incredibly important. Um, so I would have hired for that earlier than we did. That's probably the main thing. Thanks for sharing that because the thing is the parent company for the startup life is Owls LLC is run by me and my wife. And so what we do is like, you know, we write curriculum and stuff like that. And so she's like, an instructional design guru, if I may say so myself. So I know exactly about uh, what you're talking about. She really prides herself on that part and how curriculums and lessons build upon themselves to really uh, create this learner that, you know, that really does get it. So I appreciate you sharing that part. Let me ask you this, man. Um, you know, entrepreneurs always consider themselves lifelong learners. They're always engaged in like professional development and always kind of sharpening the saw, if you will. Uh, what are you reading or learning right now? And what does professional development look like for you? Yeah, right now, um, so we're at the point where, you know, the company is scaling from, you know, we've got 35 full-time employees and probably 50 part-time employees right now. So um, we're moving from kind of 35 to, you know, 80 or 90 over the next year. Okay. Um, and I've never started a company that grew that quickly. Um, so okay. I'm studying mostly organizational design, how to get everybody, you know, rowing the boat in the right direction, how to make sure everyone's on the same page, how to make sure the right communication is happening. Um, it's it's kind of difficult at companies that are growing incredibly quickly like ours is. Austin, who or what inspires you as an entrepreneur? Oh, man. Um, I mean, the the main thing I, I look to is the, the great founders of our time. Um, okay. So, you know, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and um, I think they think fundamentally differently than most humans do. Um, they look 10 years in the future. They work backwards from what that should look like. Um, they go through incredibly difficult times. We haven't really hit one of those times yet, um, but I'm sure it, it, it's coming eventually. Gotcha. Um, so, so yeah, I really look to the way they think, the way they do things. And, and also some of the great investors, um, the Warren Buffetts of the world, I think the, the mindset of how you create value long-term is, is incredibly important. Here in the, on the startup life, we're all about like informing startup nation of like some of those obstacles that they hit, you know, as they scale their company. So what are some of like, you know, maybe the financial challenges that startups risk uh, when they, you know, start a, a company and what were some of those challenges that you, that you had uh, coming up building Lambda School? Yeah. So I look at startups in kind of two different lenses. Um, there's, pre-product market fit and then post-product market fit. Okay. Um, so before you have product market fit, it's really entirely, you know, how do we, how do we find product market fit? Um, after that, it's how do you scale quickly enough so that you can capture a market? 
um, and but not get out in front of your skis and not run out of money um, and not, not try to go so quickly that everything you do is garbage. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a difficult balance, I would say. I hear that. that. That's one thing that, you know, here on the startup life we talk about all the time is trying to find that balance, if you will. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, so, you know, we talk about some of the challenges that you face with Lambda school or just your path to entrepreneurship. Tell me about the biggest failure you experienced. Oh man. Um, there are lots of them. Okay. Let's see. The biggest failure was in the early days, not having the instructional design gotcha. well, well done enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was, we were doing everything we could, but we just weren't good enough, frankly. And the, the difficult thing is, you know, almost all those students are hired now. They all have, you know, we'll, we'll extend opportunities for them to continue learning until the end of time, but they only get one chance to spend, you know, six or seven months studying. Um, so, so yeah, I wish I could go back in time. I wish I could put them through Lambda school as it is today, um, back then. Um, but we just didn't have that in place. Understood. Understood. Thanks for sharing. That. And actually leads to a segue to a next question. How does Lambda school prepare students for financial and professional success? Yeah. Um, we do a lot of things. So, I mean, the entire school is built around, uh, preparing them for professional success. Okay. So not only are we, you know, teaching you to code, we're teaching you what it's like to work in, in, in a team and in a work environment and, you know, how to resolve conflict when it arises and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and financially, you know, we're very clued in on what the students' financial outcomes and struggles are because we, you know, we make it free until you get a job. So your continual financial success is not only important to us, but we, we know it really well. Um, so we actually have a, a personal finance kind of boot camp that we put everybody through um, in coordination with Wealthfront. Um, they make sure that everybody understands, you know, savings, debt, investment, how to live by a budget, what to, what to focus on. Because um, you know, our, average, our average increase in income for a Lambda School grad um, is a $47,000 increase. Okay. per year. Um, so that's a lot of new money you have to know what to do with. And the last thing we want to do is, you know, see all of our students go out and blow that on something dumb. Of course. Um, so we, you know, try to try to take them under our wings a little bit. And, you know, if you invest that much money, you're, you'll retire rich no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just helping them understand and realize that and start, start to invest in the right ways and get out of debt as quickly as they can. For sure. For sure. So it's kind of got a little sprinkling in uh, a little bit of financial literacy in the, in the piece at Lambda school there, huh? For sure. Let me ask you this, man. What did you learn from your worst boss you've ever had? Oh man. Um, the worst boss I ever had never said anything to me. Oh, um, okay. okay. I just kind of went in and did my thing. And then, you know, about six months in, he was like, Hey, you know, you've been doing all of this so wrong for so long. And I was like, well, you know, why haven't you fixed it? I said, well, I didn't know, you know, Right. Um, so I, you know, I think one of the most important things for me to learn is that it's better to be nice than kind. And by that, I mean, if someone needs to correct, it's your obligation as a boss to, to tell them and to help them do that. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but it's, it's actually, you know, I have a tendency to be too nice and being too nice isn't helpful to anybody. It actually just sets everybody back and makes them more frustrated. So, you know, you, you talked a little bit about those early rumblings as an entrepreneur uh, back in Utah. 
Tell us a little bit about that uh, first idea, that first business idea you ever had. Oh, man. Um, I mean, back in the day, it was just buying and selling stuff on eBay. Okay. Uh, eBay was, I mean, before Amazon existed, that was the way you bought stuff online for the most part. Gotcha. Um, so I just got really good at, and I said, you know, I was like 13, 14. I didn't have very much money, but knowing how to find stuff for really cheap and then I just buy it and turn around and sell it. Um, so I've always really been into arbitrage, finding stuff that's overpriced versus underpriced and buying stuff that's underpriced and selling it at an overpriced price. Making those markets has always been of interest to me. So, you know, you know, going back to uh, when you talked about, you know, the worst boss you've ever had and you saying like, he didn't really like, you know, I guess give you that that direction or leadership, if you will. How do you take that, what you learn, and apply that to the employees you have at Lambda School? Yeah, um, I mean, I think the most important thing is to be upfront with people and to have some organizational structure that will tell them if they're not doing something correctly and, I mean, really help people correct. And we, we have to do that both on the, the school side and on the employee side. Um, making sure that everybody knows what's what's happening is is pretty important. So let me ask you this, man. Some people say that you know entrepreneurs need like a formal education, some networking in order to be successful as an entrepreneur. And some people just say you need worth ethic, worth ethic and a dream. So where do you stand on that, Austin? Um, I, I think you need an education. Um, how you get it is, I mean, for me, I just got it by running into walls all the time. <laughs> um, that said. I mean, we went through Y Combinator, which was incredibly helpful. Okay. Um, and having mentors there to help guide you along and say, you know, you, you could be doing this, you could be doing this, um, is, is pretty incredibly helpful. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten was, was NYC. Um, we we're starting our, uh, we just finished starting our first cohort ever um, of the six-month-long free upfront variety of Lambda School. Mm-hmm. And basically, the I mean, one of the YC partners came to us and said, okay, so when's the next one going to start? We said, yeah, I'll probably start, you know, six months from now. We'll finish this one, then we'll start another. <clears throat> and he said, what would it take to start another next month? You know, why not four weeks from now? Mm. And just the way that that, <clears throat> that makes you think so that you can get a lot of iterations in. Right. Uh, I think that fundamentally changed the company. We would have been on like our third cohort right now. And instead we're about to start cohort 16. So pretty wow. big difference. What's the most popular misconception about running a company? Because I know a lot of times when people, when you tell people like, you know, you have a company, it's like, Oh, you must have a lot of money. And so that's one of the most <laughs> popular ones you hear. But what's, what's another popular misconception about running a business in a company? Um, I think it's really easy for everything to look like it's going awesome from the outside, even if it's kind of total chaos and putting out fires underneath. I hear that. Um, you know, especially when you, when you think about some of the hottest companies, we, you know, everything from the outside, you know, think about like Facebook and like, man, they just crushed it from day one to now and they're huge. But man, they went through some crazy, hectic stuff along the way. So, you know, last question before we take a break. What does the average day look like, you know, for you uh, as you uh, roll on your path to entrepreneurship? What does the average day look like? Be specific as possible. All right. Um, I mean, so I've got a couple kids at home, so I usually wake up with them pretty way too early, honestly. Um, let's see. Then, you know, I, I roll into work a little bit late. I try to get to some of my email in the morning from home and then... 
um, come in to the office around 10. Um, then, I mean, it, it really depends on the day and on whether or not we're fundraising. If we're fundraising, I spend a lot of time um, basically, you know, raising money and talking to investors. If not, then it's, you know, meeting a lot with the executive team and with the different teams trying to figure out what we can do to get things going on to the next step, get, get to the next level, basically. For sure. um, so that's, that's the goal. For sure. You know, quick follow up question before we go to break. So, you know, a lot of times we see entrepreneurs like when they first start up and that, you know, first, you know, gets the art and then the startup phase, you know, they're like doing a lot of like, you know, they're wearing like 10 different hats. They're doing like seven different jobs at the time. But then you get to a certain point, like what you were describing about like, you know, pretty much just kind of like, you know, raising money, trying to get this to the next step. You're out there just really selling the company. Uh, as a whole. Talk about that transition from like wearing the 10 hats and then like delegating to the point where you feel comfortable with the people that you employ to get to that next level and then ultimately have the company get to that next level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I I think it's pretty hard. Okay. Um, So for, for me, you know, I'm the type that I love just being down in the weeds, figuring everything else out. Um, just kind of grinding, you know, for sure. uh, but as the company grows, you, you start to get in the way and you start to realize that if you're thinking about something, there's probably a person that's not there that should be there. Um, and that is, I mean, now most of my job is getting the right butts in the right seats and getting everybody working on the right stuff. Understood. Um, that's, that's the key. So there's a, there's kind of an awkward phase in between when you need to be there to make sure stuff's going right, but you don't want to get in the way and you want to, I I think for me, I probably was in the way too much. Um, and it made it so that people needed to rely on my decision-making. Um, I think it's a pretty critical point for a company to get to where everybody feels confident and empowered to, to make their own decisions and to run with things on their own as opposed to, you know, relying on you as, as the founder or, you know, CEO. All right, Austin. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the startup life so far? That's oh, been great. Yeah. All right, startup mission. So I hope you're getting great value from Austin's content, but we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to the startup life. business owner the startup life reach is growing wouldn't you like your business to grow with it reach out to us to advertise on the startup life you can reach us at 901 857 
888-242-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong, like this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music but your business being advertised on it? So take advantage now as the startup life's growth can also be your growth as well. If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than our Teaching with Owls section of our website. Enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the Nixon presidency as part of our legacy series. Enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are Common Core line. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So we're sitting with Austin of Lambda School, and so, you know, let's just hop right back into it, man. Have you ever had a time where you had to kind of turn down an, an employee, I mean, not employee, but like a prospective client or a prospective student or anything like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, we, yeah, the, most of the students that apply to Lambda School don't get in. Um, so we're turning down students all the time. Um, I've turned down investors. I've turned down hopeful employees. Like, you, yeah, you get used to that for sure. For sure. Well, okay. Well, you no, know, kind of a two-part follow-up, if you would. Tell us, you know, why would you turn down an investor? You know, tell us you know, about that process a little bit. And why, you know, do you turn down, you know, students? Uh, like, what's, what's that criteria you're looking for that, for the ideal Lambda School student? For sure. Um, so, so as far as investors go, I mean, there, you only need X dollars when you raise money. And, you know, I think in our, when we were raising our series A, we raised 14 million. Um, I could have raised a hundred million if we wanted to. Um, so it was, you have to find the right people that you need that have the right skill set that will, will help you get there. The trade-off, I mean, there, I, there've been times when, you know, I have been begging for money and people don't want to give it to you. So you know what it's like on the other side. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a little bit of like, you know, you, you want to be like, well, now it's my turn to turn you guys all down and be a jerk. Um, (laughs) Gotcha. But then, then you realize really like everyone's on the same team and everyone's working toward the same stuff. Um, you're not able to work with, I mean, the hard thing is when there's an investor that you really like, you think they're really smart and you love to work with them, but it just doesn't work out at the given time, at the exact time. It's a little bit like dating in that, you know, both sides have to say yes, For but sure. it's not like dating in that A, you can date more than one person, which I guess it depends on how you date, but For sure. Um, <laughs> And then like there, you know, it can, it can be, it can get to the point where it's, you know, it's yes for these four investors and then it's no for these 15. Um, and it's not fun to be one of the 15, right? Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's delicate and you try to keep things cordial, but at the same time, you have to learn to say no. And what about like, you know, when you turn down students, what, what is that process? What does the ideal student look like for you? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that sucks. Um, gotcha. I'm not a fan of that. I mean, the hard thing is there are more capable students than we can possibly accept. Understood. Basically, okay. every, every student that we accept is an investment we make. So, you know, it costs us a whole lot of money to train each student and we only have so much money. So we have to be even more selective. Like we're, we're still turning down people that could probably be successful. Um, we just have to select right now people that we know will be successful. And, you know, you show us that you'll be successful by being diligent and working hard and 
um, learning how to program quickly and, and all that, that kind of stuff and being friendly mm -hmm. on phone calls and knowing what you're going for, a lot of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's, it's just hard. Um, people, people want to change their lives and you want to help them change their lives, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, so you have to say no, and that's not fun. Gotcha. I can definitely understand that. Let me ask you this, man. Like, you know, how did you get the concept of Lambda School? Why call it Lambda School? Why not call it anything else? Why not call it the all red school of coding or something like that? <laughs> like, so, so Lambda School comes from a concept called the Lambda Calculus, which okay. is in a programming language called Haskell. Um, so Haskell is a functional programming language. It's pretty, it's still esoteric relative to, you know, JavaScript or Python. Um, but it's really powerful. We actually started out teaching Haskell. So we use Lambda School because, you know, Haskell users will recognize Lambda. Um, and then we just never changed the name. <laughs> so, gotcha. Fair enough. So it really doesn't make a, too terribly much sense. But, um, but yeah, it's still there. Awesome. And now it just, it's stuck. Gotcha. Understood. So let me ask you this, man, you know, you have a team of employees, you know, or team members, you know, uh, there at Lambda School. What do you look for for the idea team member to join uh, the Lambda School crew? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it, it depends on the stage of your company. Right now, we need people who can come in and just crush what they're doing and are able to do that without being handheld by us um, or by me specifically. Um, cause I, you know, we're at the point where we need people to be independent and autonomous. I think that's the key We're we have to move really fast and we have to learn really, really fast as a company. So we need people that can jump right in, in that kind of an environment. Um, so sometimes it's just being an absolute expert at the thing that you do. Right. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, maybe not being an expert, but being like really fast learner. Uh, you know, and, and self-starters, I imagine, right? Yeah, definitely. Let's switch gears really quickly. Uh, you know, we, you know, we have a, you know, somewhat of a divisive political climate, you know, these days. And I wanted to get your, you know, uh, your take on if entrepreneurs have some type of social obligation to, you know, comment on social issues or anything like that. Some people say, yeah, because you take people's money. Other people say, no, that's not my lane. So Austin, where do you stand on that? Yeah, that, that's hard. Um, I think, I mean, as a founder, you should probably just be true to what you believe. Right. But I do think it's a little bit like by definition, when you get to a certain size of company, your employees may not agree with, for example, your, your political beliefs. Gotcha. So, so in my mind, there's a big difference between political beliefs and moral beliefs. Understood. Um, and I think you should take a stand on moral stuff. Um, and I, I avoid anything political. Gotcha. Um, just because I know that, I mean, our, our students will come from very different backgrounds. Our employees come from very different backgrounds. Um, and unless it's a moral thing, then I don't think it's right for the company to take a stand. Like, we're not going to endorse a specific candidate unless we think it's a really clear-cut moral decision that said you know where that line stands depends on what issue you're talking about and what the what the issue is so there, there are times when it you know you have information that other people don't or you um have you know you think a specific way because of the the position that you're placed in as a company where you can comment on things but i you know for example 
if companies started coming out and endorsing candidates for president, even in, you know, 2016, which was a pretty crazy year. I, I don't, I don't find that appropriate personally, but yeah. I, I guess that, you know, the question is where does the political line cross over into a moral line? Um, gotcha. So yeah. Let me ask you this, man, you know, you're there at Lambda School, but, you know, I imagine that, you know, you have competitors, you know, you, you have your Coursera's and your Khan Academies and your Lynda.coms of the world. Why should somebody go to Lambda as opposed to anybody else? Yeah, I think Lambda is just built with a different mission in mind. There, there are a lot of places you can learn stuff. Um, that's clearly all over the internet. Our job is to help you get a job. Um, and I, you know, we are putting our money where our mouths are and saying that if we don't help you get a job, you don't pay us. Um, so our incentives are entirely aligned to, to help you land that job. And that is the entirety of our mission. Um, you can go to a university and they'll have more, you know, if you want to study liberal arts, we're not the right place. Um, if you want to do self-paced learning on some random topic, we're not the right place. If you want to switch careers or gain a new job, yeah, that, that's what we exist for. Sounds good. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Austin, who are your mentors? Uh, my mentors right now um, are our investors. So Sean McGuire from Google Ventures, GV, is our board member. I talk with him a lot. Um, I talk with, who else do I talk with? Ryan Peterson from Flexport and the Carlson brothers, um, have mentored me. Um, they're, they're pretty busy, so they only have so much time, but super helpful. Daniel Gross and Jeff Ralston are our YC partners. Um, they're, they're, they're my main mentors, I would say. Austin, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? I think my superpower is combining stuff that nobody else wants to combine. So for example, you know, Lambda School is a combination of a kind of a finance play and an education play. Okay. Generally speaking, the finance people don't want to be in education and the education people don't want to be in finance. Um, so figuring out a world where those two come together is probably what makes Lambda School special. Okay. So, no, Austin, this is the point of the show where, you know, where you basically just plug Lambda School. You let people know, you know, why did you come to Lambda School? What's the best thing about it? You know, if you got any special, you know, uh, coupons or anything like that, the floor is yours to do that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Lambda School, we've got a bunch of world-class instructors standing by to help you at any time. Um, so come check out one of our free intro courses. They're completely free. They're instructor-led um, you'll get a taste of what Lambda School is like. And then next month we'll be rolling out Audit Lambda, which is basically a way for you to kind of attend the first you know, little while of Lambda School at no cost. Um, so you can really see what it's like and really participate um, and decide if it's right for you. So um, all of those are completely free. Check it out at lambdaschool.com. And Startup Nation, lambdaschool.com's uh, website is there in the show notes there for you for easy access. All right, Austin, man, before we cut out today, any you know, pardon advice for a startup entrepreneur or, or an entrepreneur that's been in the game for about 10 years? What kind of advice you got for them? Um, yeah, get to it. <laughs> gotcha. All right, Startup Nation, you hear that? Just get to it. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life, man. We want to thank Austin of Lambda School for joining us. Did you enjoy being on with us, man? Yeah, I did. It was a good time. I appreciate it. 
Alright, Startup Nation. Before I get into my final take, I want to share something with you. You may have heard at the end of episode 66, if you, you know, subscribe to a wonderful podcast, the Minding Your Business podcast by my good friend Archie Brooks, that he said he's entered into an agreement with me to form a network, a podcast network. Well, obviously, if you heard the beginning of this episode, you know that is absolutely true. We have come together to form the Binge Podcast Network. Uh, we really want to uh, do accomplish three things with this network. We want to entertain, inspire, and inform. You know, we really think that we can give great value and empower new voices that you otherwise wouldn't hear anywhere else. And so obviously with this move and us coming together to form uh, the network, obviously his podcast, the Mind of Your Business podcast and the Startup Life now have a new home in the Binge Podcast Network. And we're super, super excited about this. We've already uh, landed two additional podcasts to join the network that we're really uh, excited about. So if there's any changes to the Startup Life, they're really in the benefit from you, Startup Nation. So we're going to bring other people from those podcasts on shows from time to time to kind of enhance the content that you receive. So, you know, like I said, we are now, uh, we are still the Startup Life, but we are now on the Binge Podcast Network. So here's my final take. When it comes to Austin, there's one word that really comes into mind. A disruptor. When you think about the old way of business when it comes to higher levels of institution, he's really turning it on his head. He's really empowering his students, you know, with a new model of not having to pay for school until you find a good paying job. On top of that, the skill that they're learning is going to be very vital in the 21st century economy. So there's this there's this sustaining power to employment, if you will, when it comes to that. So when it comes to the Lambda School and it comes to Austin, is really one of those things to where he may be on the forefront of changing the way we pay for education. Also, Startup Nation, before I forget, this is episode 80. How amazing is that? So I wanted to share that great news with you on a very uh, cool milestone. And wow, we're, we're really getting close to 100, aren't we? But uh, once again, like I do with every milestone, thank you for rolling with me. Thank you for rocking with me. Thank you for listening. And I'm just super grateful that you let me be a part of, you know, your path to entrepreneurship. You're just to be or just to be in your listening ear. I appreciate that as well. But, hey, I, I better start really nailing down what I want to do for episode 100. It's like I have a lot of ideas, but they're kind of all over the place. But anyway, Startup Nation. Thank you once again, and hey, let's enjoy this milestone together. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. To subscribe to the show, as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.